Hey y'all, it's the Unfor Brother One himself, Mr. Brett Carroll. We're about to post this pod on both Black Monday and the National Championship game. Great pod, check it out. Unfortunately, we recorded before the events took place today of David Culley getting fired by the Houston Texans. Very unfortunate that they waited. First of all, they shouldn't have done it in the first place, but the fact that they waited this late to do it. We're going to get into that next week. Trust and believe. There's a lot to go into that. There's the Houston part of this. There's the Sean Watson part of this. The fact that right now, only the great Mike Tomlin is the only black head coach left in the NFL. That is a problem. We're going to get into all that. Trust me. Uh, But on this pod, we talk about everything that happened before this David Culley firing. Please check it out. It's going to be great, and trust me, we will get into the David Culley stuff next week. Best believe that, all right? Love you guys. Have a good one. Check it out. Like, share, and subscribe. I'm ill. 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 It means well, your fucking Giants wanted to extend it this fucking day, like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Trust me. Do you think I'm not gonna bring up the Giants? Oh, I, oh, I know you are. <laughs> Come on, calm me down. Don't bother me. I'm working. 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 Don't work it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the unforgettable one himself, Mr. Burke Carroll. It's another great day to discuss other people's excellence. I messed that up. Sorry about that. I now I can say I'm the unforgettable one, Burke Carroll. Charles is always daydreaming, and we're two guys like BS in that word. Hold on, you address me correctly as the new Jersey. Pork rolls. Are we doing this every pod? Oh my god, we're not doing. <laughs> we're not doing this every pod, especially when your roll tide lost. Oh my, my, my roll tide lost. No doubt, no doubt. Not gonna. So that's where we're going first. But but we didn't get a chance to tell all of the people that got to support the dope blog, all the people that that support me and you about this, about their champion, the people's champion. I won hold this. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. For, for those of you that don't know, we had to deal, I had to deal with this spiel last time. But because of technical difficulties, we didn't get to put that pot up. So now he's doing his victory lap again. Well, back in the day when, when, when champions would travel the country, they would cut the promo mm-hmm. for all the people because all the people didn't get a chance to hear it. And what you're doing is you're healing it up. You've been, you've been providing trash. For so long that you forgot what a good guy looks like. And finally, a good guy won. A good guy won. The good, the good guys. The pork roll tides. Was it the Taylor Ham gang? No. It was the pork uh, roll tide. Mm. Thank you to everybody that supported me. My quarterback, Tom Brady. My backup quarterback, Josh Allen. This is a keeper league. I had a great run. <sighs> You know, my team, my whole team's coming back. We're, we're a dynasty in the making. I plan on holding on to this for years. Thank you. Thank you. Any more questions? No, no. Let's talk about, let's talk about a real team that won, the Georgia Bulldogs. They're the good guys today after what was an excellent national championship game. The first half was, was kind of a snooze fest. 
But my God, I don't know what they what both teams ate for during the halftime celebration, but they came out and got after it in that second half. Explosive play after explosive play on both ends. Offense would make a play, then the defense would make a play. Uh, Alabama had a crazy freaking fumble recovery that was just a nonchalant play that was like, and which that, was, that play was so bullshit. And, and you just said it, you, so everybody knows where I wanted Bama to win. So it's not like there's some biased anti-Bama take. I texted you in real time how bullshit that call was. I, I'm just watching the game. I, I'm enjoying the game. It's a good defensive game. Both defenses are balling. And then that play happens. All right, whatever. Fumble Alabama recovery. And at this point of the game, it, it was like, what, 13-13 or something close to that? Something like around that? No, no Alabama was losing. No, oh, Alabama losing was still losing. 13-9, okay. yeah. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It was close enough. And they gave it to him in the red zone. Like, yo, Saban don't was, need help. But it was a great play. And speaking of Nick Saban, that's why he's great because – that's what they teach you. Like, hey, man, pick up the ball. You never know. And this dude just nonchalantly just grabbed the ball as he was going out of bounds. No big deal. And it turns out it's a fumble recovery by the defense, and that was a great play. But that's good coaching because, like, you know that that's something that Saban has drilled into these kids. Like, yo, if the ball's on the ground, pick it up because you never know. You never know. And that was a turning point in the game in which I thought they were going to win after that. When that happened, uh, it was either late third quarter, early fourth quarter. It was still plenty of time in the game, but it was such a momentous occasion that you, you know, especially when, when I think Alabama, it was a later third. It was still enough time in the game. Yeah, but it, it was, that, was still plenty of time. But you know how Alabama is, man. They just need that one momentum shift, and usually they just run, roll with it. And I thought that was going to be it. But give Georgia credit, man. Give that quarterback credit. He came right back the very next series and threw two dimes down the field, touchdown. And it, and it was just like, wow, okay. And before so we talk, Before we talk about the offenses, because as we know, quarterbacks get praised regardless of how they play. Um, the defense is, is what I want to focus on real quick. And both defenses showed up. Uh, both defenses are going to have kids that are going in the first and second round without a doubt. The Georgia Bulldogs got to start with the, with the champions first. Jordan Davis, I believe I, I, that's who I was watching just dominate on every play. It felt like a last, uh, on Monday night, and he was everywhere. He was hyping up his defense. He was an obvious on the field leader. That when when his when the defense the Bulldogs defense made mistakes, he was there correcting it. And in the next play, they were getting sacks or tackle for losses. So much so that the Georgia uh, defense ended with 70 total tackles, 50, uh, 50 of them were solos, four sacks, and nine tackles for losses. Compare that to the uh, to Bama, right? They only had 50, 50 total tackles, 32 solos, five sacks, and seven tackles for losses. Again, the Bama's defense was fucking balling too. So I'm not trying to make it sound like it was a one-sided affair, kind of like the score looks like it. Because in the second half, if they didn't give that fumble to Bama, the Bulldogs would have blown them out, which also uh, makes what I was saying about Jim Harbaugh and, and Michigan a little bit more valid because you were like, look how he got blown out in the, in the only playoffs. And I was like, yo, if the Bulldogs do that to Bama now, we didn't. We thought it would be the game we got, essentially, because it was a really entertaining game. But the Bulldogs are the champs dominant run they win this is their year good for them but michigan looks a lot better 
in retrospect now getting blown out by the champs than if the Bulldogs came in here and the score was reversed in favor of Alabama. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a classic game and two great – those were the two best teams all year. So these are two teams that deserve to be there. It was the two teams that we probably would have given us the best game. Anybody else, it probably would have been a blown out blowout either for Alabama or for Georgia. So, I mean, you got what you wanted. And like you said, the defense were the, the defensive players were the stars in this game, which, you know, old heads like us, quote unquote, it is refreshing to see a game where the defense shows why they're on the field. And I think it was a perfect setup where I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not trying to see a, a six to three game either. Mm-hmm. So it was a perfect balance of great defense with enough offense to keep you entertained. Ironically, I'm the one out of the two of us that would be on here like, oh, shit, that six to three game had so many cool parts. You're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But Norm- normally if a game is six to three, it's not that good. No, I, 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 will, admit, I will admit that. But there are plenty of games like uh, Super Bowls come to my mind. So uh, when the Broncos were completely bitch slapped by Seattle and when the Patriots shut down the Rams, those are some all time defensive you know, performances in the Super Bowl. And I enjoyed it. My team wasn't in it. I enjoyed it. My team was the victim of an all-time defensive performance against the Ravens in 2000. And he, but even I can, I can appreciate, you know, watching history. I, I'm not, that's like the only time my team got beat down and I didn't hate the team that did it. But um, back to the kids in Bama, Christian Harris had three sacks. Good for you getting the hair trick, kid. You're probably going to go in the first round now. Um, and the other two sacks was Dallas Turner on, on Bama's side. One thing I, I just want to note, Bama this year, more than a lot of other years, have kids that look like they could be on uh, the, the Key and Peel skit with their names. Because a couple of these names, man, as I'm looking at them, a couple of them, I'm like, Lord, I hope that's a nickname. Like a couple of them are just cultural, like Henry Toa Toa, Toa Toa. See, don't know. Don't know how to say that. Two East Coast for that shit. Uh, but there's Kool-Aid McKinstry. That sounds fake. That sounds like you guys are, are thinking, I just made that up. And you want, I'm like, are you doing the Keenan Peel thing? No. That's somebody's name. I can click on it on ESPN right now. Kool-Aid. Hey, man. With a K. Shout out to the GOAT. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail the conversation, but it was really bothering me that I'm just like, we're not going to acknowledge the Keenan Peel in the room, but okay. <laughs> Offensively, there was a couple of stories coming out of this game, even though somebody like me and my defensive bias and my rushing bias don't want to talk about the wide receivers and the quarterbacks because Lord knows we're going to talk a lot about them come draft time. But there was an injury, like you you, you were bringing up the whole time, injuries with these playoffs and these bowl games, and we saw one on the biggest college stage. To the it's biggest player. To, to the, probably the biggest player – in that game, besides Evan Neal, Evan Neal is going to be a top five pick, the offensive tackle for Alabama. But Jamison Williams was put throwing his name in the hat as the number one wide receiver in that draft. And a lot of people had him as the number one wide receiver in that draft. Finished now, the game with four, six, four receptions for 65 yards. So even with an injury game, that's not bad. That's not bad for, for a championship game. Well, yeah, well and even, even when he got hurt, it was a big play in which he got hurt. He tried to make, he had a huge play down the field. He tried to make a cut to extend that drive, uh, extend the play even longer. And his knee just gave out on him when he tried to make the cut, which sucks. But 
that's the thing. It's 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 a weird thing with these kids, man. Like we we as fans want them to play because these bowl games are important to us as fans and to the alumni, to the fan bases. Best believe if Rutgers was in a bowl game, I don't care who's on that team and what their draft stock is like. I'm sitting there like, please, for the love of God, play. If I can see Rutgers playing a meaningful bowl game, I want my players to play, right? Yeah. Now, the people – now, when I know Bo Melton and Isaiah Pacheco didn't play in the Gator Bowl uh, that, we, that they played in last minute, and I was totally okay with that, because they declared before they even knew they were going to have a bowl game. So whatever. But best believe if that was a, you know, New Year's Six Bowl or a college football playoff bowl, I want Bo Melton and Isaiah Pacheco to play because that gives us a better chance to win those games. So that's a that's a thing. And here's a kid, and he's, of course, he's going to play. You're playing for a national championship, right? You know, which you have to play in that game because – even if you go to the league, there's no guarantee you're going to go to the Super Bowl. If you're a top pick, think about it. If you're a top pick, you're probably going to a bad team. What if he gets drafted by the Lions? No no offense to Lions fans out there. He probably will never win the Super Bowl in his career if he stays with the Lions his whole career. This would probably be his only chance to win the title. So you have a guy that's the number one wide receiver in the draft that just tore his ACL in the national championship game. And how far is that going to fall, fall, uh, hurt his draft stock, especially since he's an athletic receiver? His speed is one of the reasons why he was the number one receiver. So there you go. You have Matt Corral, again, a guy that could have been the number one quarterback taken in this draft. He gets hurt playing in his bowl game. You got Kenny Pickett, another guy who was shooting up the ranks, and he doesn't play. And so you probably, and he probably doesn't play because he probably was hearing from his representation that, hey, man, they're saying you could be the number one quarterback. I don't think you should play in this meaningless game against Michigan State. And so a lot of people got, are, were upset with him. But it's like, dude, like, what do you want these kids to do, especially when you have these coaches that are quitting on their teams before the bowl games even start to move on somewhere else? And a big part of it is there's no wrong or right answer. Because everybody, this is, this is actually a case where everybody has the right to feel how they feel. If you think about it, you don't want to risk the bag, getting all that money, you know, life-changing money for these young men coming out of college. But some for most kids, most of these people, this is the last time they're ever playing football. This game, this bowl game, is the biggest game of their career in one way, shape, or form. And to have your star quarterback not play because of a selfish decision, whether that's a justified and valid selfish decision, still by definition, it's a selfish decision. And granted, be selfish because no one else is going to care for you like you're going to care for you. But for some of these guys, they, they'll, they'll forgo the bowls and they're, and they're not getting drafted where they think they're getting drafted. So for somebody that's going to get drafted in the fourth or fifth round and maybe just be a backup, even though that's good money and, and a good life, you you forego your own chance to play in the biggest game of your career because a lot of these times I, I'm an AJ McCarron fan. He hasn't done anything in the pros, but he's, he, I watched him so many times in college playing with Bama that like I'm a fan of his and, and it's you know go ball out wherever you are. So if he forego those last national championship games because he might go in the first round, how would we look at him? How would we view those games? Uh, Jalen Hurts. If Jalen Hurts just, you know, quit after getting uh, cut and said, I'm going to wait for the draft next year, 
would we would he have gone in the third round or second round even? Like he he was projected to be a third fourth round pick went in the second because he just balled out at a completely different school that wasn't Alabama. Yeah, so, it's, it's hard, and I think for me too. I think sometimes we forget everybody's different in terms of what their goals are, right? So for me, if let's say I was a D one athlete and I play for and I played for Rutgers, I would play because part of my motivation was to put Rutgers back on the map, right? I'm such a diehard fan. My parents went there. If I had the power, and when I said the power, the talent to help my team win a prestigious bowl game, I would play in it to screw the money because that's part of my life's dream, right? There's other pl- players you got to remember. Some of these other players, they could care less about college. They just know that college is the avenue that they have to get to to get to the pros. So it's a totally different mindset. I'm, I'm different. I grew up in the suburbs. Money's not really an issue. Be- me being a Rutgers fan would have been just as important to me as going to the league. Now, obviously, that's easy for me to say because I'm not in that position, right? I'm a dude sitting on my recliner chair, hypothesizing about what my life would have been if I was a D1 athlete. But I also know myself to know I'm a fan. You know what I mean? So even if I was in that situation, I'm pretty sure that I would have still played because that's part of my dream. That's part of what I wanted to do. And I know athletes like that. I know athletes that are like, no, no, no. Was it Matt Barkley that decided to go back to USC and he didn't have the the, the season that we all thought he would have and it really hurt his stock? So there are historical examples yeah. in the sport that, that guide people's opinions of how to do their own career. It is so case by case, though, because Matt, uh, Matt Barkley went from a top three pick, without a doubt, to, eh, you know, like he's not going to be a starter like that. And and to, through, through no fault of his own, but being loyal to the school. Because let me be clear, not every school is going to be loyal to you like you feel how loyal you should be to the school. For everybody that's on college game day that's preaching that these kids aren't, aren't team players, and all for all the Tim Tebow's out there that, that, that say it's not about money when you grew up with money. Listen, man, football is a game. And if you can make generational money or just help your family immediately that's what you're going to do so do not listen to these fools that are giving shit to the players the workers for moving around and bettering their personal life situations but they're praising the coaches who quit on their team before the playoffs while you could have made the playoffs and like i said a lot of it is what what is your fandom matt barthel was a great example he grew up a usc fan so imagine him going to USC, and they were decent at the time. They, they thought they had a chance of winning the Pac-12 that next year because they had a he had a lot of young guys coming back already, right? So I can imagine if I was in Matt Barkley's shoes, I would have done the same thing. Like, yo, man, if I could win the Pac-12 and at least go to the Rose Bowl with USC, that was probably a lifelong dream of his as a kid growing up in Southern California. And it also so, would establish him as a fixture in Southern California, regardless of his pro career, which as somebody important. that's from Jersey, I can't that's imagine important. that he's like, you know, a persona non grata out there. I'm sure there's Matt Barkley fans out there. He's just the one that came to my mind because I remember being hype uh, just as a pro fan. Like, I wonder where this kid's going to go. And it's just crazy how he faded to a, a, obscurity. No, I, I remember – I remember it being absolutely shocked that he came back. Cause like you said, he was going he was supposed to be like a top five pick that year mm-hmm. and he came back. And I remember, I remember being absolutely shocked that he did that. So again, it's a case by case basis. Now, again, 
same scenario. If I'm, you know, Rutgers, if I'm, if I'm a, a star player at Rutgers, but we're playing Florida back when Florida's great and we know we're, and we know with or without me, I'm getting my, going to get my ass kicked. And they're saying, hey, man, you might be a top five pick. That might change my opinion. That might be like, damn, dad, like I would love to play in this game and take that 10% chance that we upset Florida. But let's be real here. We're probably not going to upset Florida unless we play the greatest game imaginable. I'm already going to be top five. Maybe maybe I should sit this one out. Like that might, you know what I mean? It always changes your opinion on what you think you what you think that's going to happen. Barkley was fourth round of the 2013 draft. Showing our ages here about this, like the time in college we're remembering too. But it was the, so the 2012 draft he was supposed to go in, and just because if, if you remember drafts like this, more power to you guys. But I'm trying to uh, pull up the draft selections. So I can say who went first. Now, do you do you remember well, Andrew, who was first? Well, Andrew Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin the third went first and second. So and he, then, do, do you so remember who picked third? He he probably would have he probably would have been the third quarterback taken. He would have been the third quarterback taken. But do you remember who went third in the twenty twelve draft? Yeah, was that that wasn't Tannehill? Was it? It was uh, it was roll tide Trent Richardson. Oh, you went third. Oh, you meant third overall. Yeah, he went third oh. overall. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, and, yeah, no, but yeah. think about this. Think about this. If Barkley oh, was well, okay, yeah. Matt Barkley probably would have went third overall to the Browns. Yeah, not saying that would have ended any better for him because this is peak terrible Browns. Uh, and Trent Richardson was the right pick at the time. Everyone's shit on the Barkley pick. That's more recent. Trent Richardson was was great in college. So no one was like, oh my god, you're taking Trent Richardson so high. You're, you're full of shit. That's revisionist history. Um, yeah, the next quarterback was Ryan Tannehill, number eight overall to the Dolphins. Right. So he he would have he probably would have went over Tannehill that year. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's Brandon Weeden went twenty second to the Browns. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's one of those weird things. Like, how do you you know what's the right decision? What's the wrong decision? And again, my thing is these coaches, and I love Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley quitting on his team. Um, Brian Kelly. As much as I love LSU and I hope that he does well at LSU, he really quit. He quit on his team before he even knew that they weren't going to make the playoffs. I will remind people, they were fifth in the nation when he left for LSU. Had Alabama lost to Georgia, Notre Dame would have made the playoff. So he quit on his team. How, the butterfly effect of that first meeting, right? Like – if they quit, he quit on his team without even knowing if his team even was going to get into the, the college football playoff or not. So, but yet we're supposed to be mad at these kids for saying, nah, I'm going to forego a bowl game and go to the NFL. And Again, flip side, flip side, real quick, because we're focusing on like the 1% of college players that go to the NFL. There are so many more college players that never go to the NFL in these bowl games or their biggest games. And I bring that up only because the champ, the quarterback of the championship team is he's one of these guys. Gonna, yeah, he's not going to make it to league. No, he, he probably will get drafted or signed in some capacity. And good for you, man. Get your money. But watching that game last night, you could tell he's not a pro, pro quarterback, at least in this part of his life. Because who, Lord knows sports is weirder than Stetson Bennett becoming a household name. But this kid went from nowhere to somehow starting for Georgia 
and then leading Georgia to this title. Because that kid, both quarterbacks played with heart. Bryce Young is going to get a lot of shit because of the, the Bama loss, right? But Saban, this is why I'm a fan. Saban, to his credit, when the press conference was older, was over, uh, made Bryce Young, I'm not sure where the other uh, one was that was next to him, sit back down and just point out the leaders that the, the young men were and that they don't. he doesn't want them defined by one game. And Nick Saban doesn't have to do that. We saw, we've seen plenty of asshole college coaches, Urban Meyer, that do not give a shit that like that. That like, of course, there's 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 one or two coaches that will always stick up for their guys, but Saban in that loss had more grace and composure than some NFL coaches do in big time. Even during the game, even during the game, like when Bryce threw that last pick six. You saw him going over to Bryce, say, yeah, man, it's all right. This just wasn't our night. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes you just know it's not your night. And Bryce Young is, is probably going to be the number pick in the draft next year. So, I mean, I'm not crying for him either. Possibly so, the future Giants quarterback. Right. He, he's probably going to be the number one pick or at least the number one quarterback in the draft whenever he comes out. So, well, again, I'm not really – We don't know because that's how crazy – some of these classes are. We just talked about Matt Barkley going top three, and he went fourth round one in, in a difference of one season in college football. And True. so Stetson Bennett, give, give you your flowers, kid. Good for you, MVP. Zamir White scored the first touchdown of the game. Uh, running back, love seeing you know a running back bulldoze his way into the end zone. Uh, the crowd was hot. It was one of those crowds that seemed 50-50, at least on the broadcast. It was so hard to, to tell what was going on if you're just a casual, because even though white and red, crimson, uh, there are different colors. If you're just a casual fan, it is one of those games because of the crowd. You're like, I have no idea what's good. What, what is the good thing that's happening? I just hear cheering on this play. Right. right. <laughs> but I really like no, it. Was, it was a great game. It was a great game. And, I, and- I had so much fun that I, like at one point, I wasn't even mad the Bulldogs are winning. Like I'm a casual ass as Bama fan to see how, hard both sides were balling out uh, towards the end the only thing that pissed me off was that fumble ball because i was like yo they don't need help let these kids keep playing you haven't been calling roughing the passer you haven't been calling holding these both sides are balling let them win or lose and and like they didn't need the help because the craziest part is how different would the game be if they didn't get that touchdown after that fumble we could be looking at at a, at the, at a 33 to 11 yeah it was, it was pretty i mean like i said it, it was a great game, two great programs. You get eleven, and you mentioned you mentioned Michigan. I want to also mention Cincinnati because Cincinnati played Bama tough, and now that you saw and and to me, I give more props to Cincinnati because they played Bama so tough, right? They have they have corners that are going to be in the first round, and they played a really good game against Alabama, and so and we talked about this in the last pod, but again, we weren't able to put that pot up, so I'm, I'm going to revisit this again. Anybody that thinks that non-Power 5 schools don't belong, like, you don't understand sports, you know, you definitely don't understand college sports. Like, you have to give everybody a chance. I'm not saying uh, anybody that's undefeated just put them in. No, Cincinnati earned it. They beat Notre Dame. They beat some other decent teams. There were three or four teams in the American Conference that were in the top 25 at, at the end of the year, and Cincinnati beat all of them. So they had a record and a resume, that was, and they got the help they needed. Obviously, if some teams don't fall off during the season, Cincinnati doesn't get in. Guess what? They did. That's not Cincinnati's job for other teams to win their games as well. They won the games that they were, were, were on their schedule. And yeah, they got quote unquote blown out by Bama. 
most teams are getting blown out by Bama. And and it's a slippery slope when we say, oh, well, you know, uh, we shouldn't let non-Power 5 schools in because they're not going to be able to beat these SEC schools. Okay, most schools aren't beating these SEC schools. We had an all-SEC championship game. You just saw. You just said Michigan got blown out. Michigan got blown out worse than Cincinnati did. Do they not belong? So is it is it always just going to be the SEC and whatever, whether Ohio State or Clemson, whatever one of those two teams we think can actually compete? Like to me, that's silly. You you put the four best teams in and you see what happens. No matter what conference they come from, whatever, no matter what they are. I, if it's three SEC schools, cool. I don't mind that. I know people hate the SEC. Like, bro, the SEC is freaking good. Get over it. Like, yeah, you either go too far one way or the other. They're the fans that think it's only the SEC, and then you have the fans that think, oh, no matter what, it should be a representation of every conference. Which, mind you, in the future, if we have an 18 playoff and it's almost every conference is represented, cool, whatever, don't care. You know what I mean? Like, the best teams are going to rise. But with that being said, we, we and you have both been around for a Notre Dame team that had no business sharing the field with Bama. Even though they were good, it was hype. So I get I get how some people are a little apprehensive about adding these these schools that aren't from the power conferences. But look at what Cincinnati I mean, did, man. Like I mean, but but we see it every year in bowl season, period. So why do we think it can't happen in the college football playoffs? I as an Oklahoma fan, I remember when boys I still remember when, when Boise State beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl and one of the greatest bowl games of all time. Uh, with with the uh, Statue of Liberty play at the end, and the guy proposing to his girlfriend as soon as he scored the game winning touchdown, like that's one of the greatest college football games. Period. Boise had an era that was only hindered because there wasn't a playoff format. Right, like and Boise State was the school that when the internet was started really popping off, when social media wasn't even social media yet. Like like ESPN was not online the way it is online now. Twitter wasn't a thing yet. Boise State was the first team that was really pushing why the hell aren't these other schools getting the looks like Texas, like USC. like and, and not just them. TCU was so damn good. They got invited to the Big 12. TCU was beating Big 12 schools as a Mountain West Conference team to the point where the Big 12 was like, yo, do you want to join the Big 12? And they joined the Big 12. So this notion – that, and speaking of, Cincinnati is now going to be in the Big 12. So you're saying two years from now, Cincinnati gets back. Is, is, is it cool now that they're in the Big 12? Like, no. Especially with no especially with no Texas and no Oklahoma. But you know who they're going to beat? Uh, Texas uh, and Oklahoma? <laughs> no, no, they're going to beat some of these other American conference schools that join them in the Big 12. So what's the freaking difference? It's just names sometimes at the end of the day. Like, Just to piggyback on – the whole what we were talking about before with the coaches get a pass, but the players don't. The, the argument is, is based in all the secret money we act like like it isn't there. The boosters want these schools in the playoffs. The boosters know its ratings when it's Alabama, Georgia, and not, you know, Cincinnati, Bama. Even though yeah. I think Cincinnati, Bama would have just got the same amount of views anyway, because I don't know how many people aren't going to watch the title game like that would watch the title game if their team was in it. That's not really a thing in college sports like that. Well, but you know what else? It's also a misconception because UCF, I believe, has the biggest campus um, 
in terms of student body wise in America. People don't know that, right? No. Yeah, people people don't know that UCF is, I think, the number one like largest school in America. So you're telling me if they were in a bowl, if they were in a national uh, playoff game, a conference, uh, you know, college football playoff game, their their alumni and their fans aren't showing up. You know what I mean? It's a perception thing. It's like, oh well, only you know, only the Big Ten and only the SEC are gonna are gonna sell out these arenas or 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 take up the, the ratings. You don't know that. There's a lot of schools out there that have so if the Deion students. Sanders, I don't if somehow the HBCU got in the top four and Deion Sanders team was any rank, he's getting oh, the ratings. Come on, come on stop it. Prime exactly. time. Prime time, baby. Like, what are but we talking about? It's, it's just it's just a matter of misconception. We assume that all the biggest schools are also in these power five conferences. It's such an that, outdated way of thinking. When you when you when me and you sit here and we just dream about how like to get this pod off the ground, even right. We're we're talking about online, we're talking about pres- presence and all this other shit. And there are really people out here that are still treating college football like it's 1922 and not 2022. And I just don't get it because Boise state, when I was in high school in between 2003 and 2007 was a draw for me. And everybody that is listening to this right now knows I'm not that big into college. So, and I have no interest in traveling to Boise. I will, if, 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 y'all, if y'all want me to, I'll check it out, but it's not like I've ever gone, Hey Brett, let's go to Idaho today. Like, so, so the, the whole small school location, how big the school is. No, man, play good football. Oh, oh and by the way, and by the way, you think anybody in their right mind is going to Tuscaloosa, Alabama? No. And you know why they'll go now? Because Alabama's a great football team. Whoa, bro. You ever see that Crimson Elephant? It's really nice. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, some of these schools are, are in the middle of nowhere that nobody would go to unless it's for a college football game. So that And that's the magic of college football. So for us to say, oh, well, this school shouldn't get in or that school shouldn't get in because they're not power five or they have no chance against these SEC schools. Like, bro, that's, that's, that's just... Could stupid. you imagine a scenario where North Carolina game- and Duke in football are playing a meaningful game? It'll be, it'll be huge. And, and again, it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It probably will happen once every 50 times, but still the once every 50 times it happens where, where Cincinnati does knock off an Alabama type type school. That's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. It's going to be huge. And it's going to make the ratings for next year even better. Cause now you're going to say, Oh, who's next? Who's the next team to knock off? Who's the next David to knock off Goliath? That's literally what sports is all about. The underdog. So before we move on to the pros, because you know, another eventful week, just blind predictions, because we're going to talk about the draft. So we're not going to do where, who's going where yet, but for next year in college football, you think the Bulldogs are back defending their title? Yeah, I, th- I think I think so, especially after this. I, I'm sure I'm sure if they don't already have a top five recruiting class, I'm sure they'll get one now. Um, again, they're losing some some players to the NFL. Their top receivers going to the NFL. So two of their top defenders are going to the NFL, stuff like that. But they'll retool. I'm sure they have other players in, in the hole, just like what just about like Michigan Alabama does. It depends. If Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL, I think Michigan is done. If Jim Harbaugh stays, I think he will uh, continue to, you know, build upon what he the foundation that he built. Um, 
I do think it's interesting that once he finally beat Ohio State, he's all of a sudden like, oh, I kind of do want to miss the NFL and get back to the NFL. So maybe he came to accomplish what he set out to accomplish. I don't know. Well, um, the thing about that I heard about it is besides the, you know, the, the demon that was Ohio State for him, more of these rumors. And, you know, I, I was pushing the Harbaugh train for my Giants. So, this again, I'm a Rutgers fan. I have no love for Michigan like that. He is might be putting out those feelers so he can get the bag for Michigan again because he took some type of a pay cut or something, and now they're, uh, the rumor is they're going to throw $120 million at him. And I'm a Giants fan. I said I wanted Harbaugh, also a fan of human beings, and you take that money, my friend, and stay at Michigan. You're living a good life. You can well, see listen, as, as, a, as a Rutgers fan, please go to the NFL. Please, because because he has recruited Jersey better than anybody. I mean, no, well, no, no. Let him keep recruiting Jersey this well, because uh, it's not like Rutgers knows how to fucking recruit from here. So whatever. But anyway, speaking of annoying people in the tri-state area, motherfucking Joe Judge. <laughs> now, well, look, I was coming. Well, I was. Let me say, well, let me, let me Brett, say congratulations. Let me. Say no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. No, no. no well, here's why I have to say it. this. Here's why I have to say this. I honestly think the backlash and the turmoil that the Giants got yesterday, because all indications were he's staying. Mm-hmm. All indications were that he was staying. And because of guys like you and every other Giants fan and the media and, and everybody just bashing that decision, I think they had to – I really think they had to turn around and say, wait a minute, all right, if everybody – there's not a soul out there that is saying, yeah, keep Joe Judge – in fact, they're, they're about to riot in the streets if we keep him. I do think guys like you are the reason why he got fired today. And by the way, I'm never a component of somebody losing their job. They're trying to feed their families. However, we're fans of, of our teams. If you're not doing a good enough job to help our teams win, unfortunately, you got to do something else. And I'm not saying Joe Judge will never have a job again. I'm sure he'll he could go right back to being a special teams coordinator on on a football team. And so that's yeah, somewhere fine. in college, yeah, or, or college. Either way, I'm sure he will get he will get paid again. So I'm not saying congratulations on Joe Judge getting fired as if he'll never get a job again. I think he'll be fine. However, he he didn't he was not a head coach in the NFL. He's just not especially in New York, especially for the Giants. And I don't know what the hell the Giants saw him in the first place to think that he should stay. Hiring him wasn't the issue. The fact that they were so gung-ho on keeping him, that's what scares me. Because like I said, I really think the only reason why they fired him today was because of public pressure. Had we done this podcast earlier in the day, Charles would have gone on a whole rant on why this guy still has a job. Luckily, you know, it's nighttime, if you can't tell. We got the news late Tuesday evening, and I mean late Tuesday evening, that he was getting fired. So this was a weird conundrum where they were all in on keeping this guy until the backlash got so big and so loud that they had no chance but to fire him. And, and, and it, I think it's a shame that it took that. If they can't evaluate their own football team well enough to know that they that they did not have the right guy in charge, I don't know what to tell you. Well, well, well. I appreciate you giving the people's champ my just respects for how much I was adding the Giants yesterday and cursing at them publicly um, for all the dumb shit that they've put on display for the world to see in the last couple of weeks. 
But I'm going to start from the beginning real quick. It's Black Monday. Joe Judge should have been fired first, but he was fired last. And before we get to him, I, I want to say off rip, don't think we're getting Harbaugh. We better be getting Brian Flores. But I want to start at the beginning for Joe Judge because am, am I going to hold him to my standards? No, I'm going to hold him to his standards because the optics of we can't get rid of a head coach for every two every two seasons. Listen, man, you got rid of Pat Shermer, you got rid of Ben McAdoo, and statistically speaking, they were a better coach than Joe Judge ever was. So this is the part of Joe Judge's introduction press conference. Now, there's a question, once again, he had no head coaching experience, was a special teams coordinator for the, for the Patriots, a.k.a. you're not fucking Bill Belichick. So this is what he said. Now there is a question out there. I'm not sure if a lot of people are asking, and that's number one, who am I? Well, maybe I can explain that a little bit better, but instead of saying who am I, I uh, by telling you what's relevant in this conversation with being the coach of the New York Giants, what I'm about. What I'm about is an old school physical mentality. We're going to put a product on the field that people of this city and region are going to be proud of uh, because this team will represent this area. We will play fast. We will play downhill. We will play aggressive. We will punch you in the nose for 60 minutes. We will play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. We will play fundamentally sound. We will not beat ourselves. That is our mission right here. Now, do I need to repeat that? Or did he fail at every fucking thing he said what he was going to be about? Because if, if I don't know who you who you are, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know the embarrassment that happened on Sunday, but he ran a third and nine quarterback draw in the second fucking quarter down three nothing. You we have Saquon Barkley. Just run it up the middle, even if you're going to punch it, run it up the middle. You're scared of a pick six dog the week before when you were Timmy Toughnuts after the press conference, you were talking shit. We had negative fucking passing yards, negative passing yards. Me and Brett are Rutgers fans. How the fuck you have negative passing yards? Rutgers don't get negative passing yards. And, and then you come out after this introductory press conference, fail at everything you need and never take an ounce of fucking responsibility for it. You fire the offensive coordinator this season, Jason Garrett. I am no fan of Jason Garrett. Fuck the Cowboys. You fired him at three and seven. Three and seven. How many, Brett, real quick. How many wins did the Giants finish with? Okay, so it, and the offense got worse every fucking week. So much worse that the guy that Dave Gettleman signed to be the number one wide receiver on this goddamn team caught zero touchdowns in that span. Were there injuries? Everybody had injuries. What was Dave Gettleman the worst GM in the league? Obviously, but you know who's an even bigger embarrassment because you had the Colts get upset by the Jags, who have the number one overall pick. You have. Teams that are worse on paper like the Jets, but the Jets were playing. I saw the Jets ball hard every fucking game this season. They were trying to win. And here we are. And Joe Judge got fired late. So late. Brett's already summarized it. If we didn't make this noise, he'd be the coach next year based off nothing but optics because the Giants didn't want to fire three coaches in six years. So anybody that's doing the, you only had two years, you didn't have enough of a chance. You're literally just arguing about time because there's, there's nothing that you watched in the last two years besides that he had no offseason in his rookie year and somehow managed to win six games. That's it. And, and he was the worst fucking coach. We're going to sit here. We're going to we, me and Brett have shit on, on Nagy in Chicago for years now. 
and Nagy is objectively a better head coach. I mean, we had a pod earlier this year about Joe Judge, and I defended him, and I said it is too early. It was one and a, it, he wasn't even a year and a half into his into his stint. I said give him more time, but the team has gotten worse since that pod. This In every offensive category, every statistical category, they've gotten worse <laughs> since that pop. I mean, no matter I, what I, it is, if you're thinking of it, we're, we're worse than it now. And, uh, we did that pop. When we did that pop, it was early October. The Gi- Giants receivers, I believe, have only had two touchdowns since that pop. Receivers as a whole, as a whole group, as a whole position group have only had two touchdowns since that pop. I, I think this is a fact, and if I'm wrong, let me know. But most people are – if you're not a Giants fan, you're a Giants hater, so I don't think anyone's going to correct me on this unless it's your team. It's your team. But I'm pretty sure the Giants have the least amount of touchdowns in the league this season. They might. They might. That's how bad the Giants are. The, the Maras said before this season, all Joe Judge had to do to be come come back next year was to show them something, show them what you were building. All this motherfucker did at, after every press conference was talk about the culture he was building, talk about all the things they're doing that you can't see. Yada 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 yada. People are calling them saying that they want to be here. Oh my god, but... the trash. The like me and you already ripped that apart because it sounds so ridiculous. Like me and you have had a couple of instances in our life where we get to see what it's what it's like behind the, the cameras on, on the the professional athlete side of, of of the of this whole coin, right? And no, no one's fucking calling the worst team in the league saying, "Man, I wish you were still there." Yeah. I want to be there. Like I, I want to sign there. I mean, if they are, they're probably guys that are probably not going to be in the league anyways. They're looking for any roster that they can find. Yeah. He was talking to USFL players and CFL players. Congratulations. I wouldn't leave the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to be on a team for Joe Judge. And if you don't know, they won the Grey Cup recently. So so they're even more successful than anything under Dave Gettleman's run. I will have a whole Dave Gettleman devoted rant on a future dope blog just because he deserves it. He is so excellent at being the worst GM of all time. He deserves his own time. And the, the Maras have the goddamn audacity to let that man retire. Not fire him. Let him retire like he fucking did something here. Besides ruin the team and leave it worse off than what Jerry Reese left it. I was going to ask you about that because you, you said that either on the phone or on the pod last week that, that we can't put up. Uh, you compared him to somebody else. I forgot who it was. It was like, why do they get fired? But David Gilman had the, got the decency to retire on his own. Jerry Reese came up. He was working at, for, in the Giants as a teenager, came up and became the general manager and won a ring. He won a ring. You could say the first one is, is of course, he's ring, whatever. Sure. The second one is Jerry Reese. And he didn't rebuild the O-line after the second one. That's That was his downfall. He, he let McAdoo replace Eli, and the Giants have been making up for that mistake and ruining the future since that mistake. The, the Giants have been so out of touch with their fan base. Not only do they think the Giants wouldn't care that Eli was benched for Geno Smith back in 2017, but damn near five years later, in 2022 now, they got the damn audacity to think we were going to be cool with y'all bringing back Joe Judge. Yes. The fuck are y'all smoking up in East Rutherford? 
Like, like and, 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 and people got the fucking nerve to get mad at us Giants fans for cursing and being mad. Yo, the only way we can talk is on social media and with our wallet. And you know, I have not given the Giants any of my money in the last few seasons. Anything. I, they have not got a dime from me since, uh, since 2016. The New York Guardians have gotten more money from me than the New York football Giants in the last five years. As they should. Just for people, and for people that think that he's being over exaggerating, the Giants literally have, are tied for the worst record in the last five years. No, we're we're, we're the shittiest ones. We're we're the I, worst. I forgot, I, I forgot who's. I'm guessing the Lions, but you guys yeah. are tied. Is it the Jets? I'm almost positive it's the Jets. Wow, I said the Giants and the Jets are tied for the worst record. I think it's like 22 and 59, the worst record in the last five years. Thank you. Anyway, Joe Judge wasn't the only shitty coach that got fired. There was one good coach that got fired in Brian Flores from the Dolphins. We didn't see that shit coming. And me and Brett are, I think we're going to forego the whole football racism and save that for another day because it will happen again. But because only black coaches win back to back seasons to get fired. So, but Joe Judge gets I mean, to say. I, I think with Miami, it's more of the owner just being an idiot and the owner liking his people. Because from what we're hearing, it, I guess it was a power struggle between Flores and the GM. And the GM went out, which to me doesn't make sense because the GM has been there for 21 years. And what the hell have the Dolphins won in the last 21 years for you to pick the GM over your coach? That's just me. But and both it's not just you. I was gonna say the same thing. You read my mind, bro. Because I was gonna say we can say the football racism thing, right? Because good old boys club, it's shady. It, but the funny thing is, Chris Greer is a black guy too, so that's weird. Like they're both black, but Chris Greer has been there for 21 years. And again, what has he done for you to say, Oh, I'm sticking with my guy over? Listen, we can't we can't figure out all the problems of black on black crime on this pod, so we have to keep it moving and keep it pushing. Nagy's gone. We knew Nagy was gone. Um, who who else has gotten fired? I'm so used to the Jets. Uh, uh, well, both, right, so the Bears and the Vikings both did clean sweeps. Right? Thank you, Vikings. Zimmer. No, no, no. That's that's what I wanted to say. Zimmer's another one. That like once again, I'm happy Joe Judge is gone. I'm not going to keep harping on the Giants, uh, but just to put in context. Vikings fans are upset because they're perpetually mediocre. They haven't been bad. The Vikings fans are pissed because they haven't been a contender. That defense was great for a couple seasons, and they have the weapons. Cousins is better than mediocre. Cousins is pretty much Alex Smith light, and he's good. He's probably the best quarterback the Vikings have had since what? Warren Moon or Culpepper? Favre. Yeah, Favre. Again, yeah, Favre is the was their best shot in the Super Bowl, but. And it goes far and then cousins. So they cleaned house. But once again, as a Giants fan, that I, I'm sorry, I was in my own head the last 48 hours. And yes, and, and, and Black Monday was the longest Black Monday ever because I never got what I wanted. And Zimmer would be an upgrade over Joe Judge. Nagy would be an upgrade over Joe Judge. Is there any team that was in the NFL that's going to pick up Joe Judge? Adam no. Gase is more likely to get a job. No. 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 Okay. 
Joe Judge is not going to Joe Judge is not going to be another head coach for a, a long time. I would I would assume. We're hearing Jim Caldwell being back in the mix, which is good because he was the best Lions coach they've ever they've had in a long time. Yeah, yeah, going eight and eight back to back wasn't enough winning for the Lions, and look how much winning they've done since. So, so you gotta be careful what you wish for. Um, but he's linked to like the Jaguars and stuff like that. Byron Leftwich might get a job with the Jaguars, which would be awesome. You know, be cool. he'll be he was the quarterback for them back in the day. Um, Damn, bro, you have to say that out loud. My bad. Oh, uh, we old. We are. We are old. We, we old, old, bro. Because kids today are like, "What the Byron Leftwich? Isn't he just the guy from the Tampa?" But yeah, he used to be. He used to play. Oh my God, bro! Like, like the the way you said it too, and I was like, "Yeah, duh." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it was that long ago." <laughs> yeah, he, he, he used to play quarterback, guys. He was matter of fact, he was a backup for the Steelers, and I liked him as a backup. I, I don't know why the dude was just made of glass. Like every time he played, he got hurt. And also by especially by today's standards, he never had the fastest release. Like you could see where he was throwing. But as a coach, apparently he's one of those dudes that he's just a head coach in waiting. So if he goes back to the Jags and they have any success, that'll be so cool. Yeah, I I think he should. He he's developed some good quarterbacks. He he's developed a good rapport with his quarterbacks. I think he'd be great for Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence played well that last game of the season. So once again, you saw the potential. He was the number one pick. He was the can't miss prospect of the decade. So you want to make sure you get this right. I, again, I don't know why. And I told you so, about the Colts. I told you about the Colts, and I told you about Carson Wentz, and I told you, I told you, I told you. Hey. I'm more than happy to say you're right. <laughs> it, oh, helped, it helped me. And why the hell is Bill O'Brien even in conversations to be anything in the NFL after he's destroyed the Texans? Because it's the good old boys club. Okay, thank you. Team. I just wanted to bring it back to what I said earlier. And he's a good old boy. But to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, I think we forget he was a better coach than he was a GM. He was a god-awful GM. If anybody's even thinking about giving him any GM duties, you don't deserve a team. But we forget he did make the playoffs four out of six years. He was head coach for the Texans, and I believe they won the division all four of those times. So It really looks like the Jags are looking at Bill O'Brien. Like, that seems to be the rumors right as of this recording. It, like, I, I, I clicked, I said Bill O'Brien went to news. It's all Alabama or Jaguar stuff. So, mm. read, read into that what you will. I actually thought, I'd be surprised. I was thinking the Raiders would go after Bill O'Brien. Well, I mean, the Raiders might keep the guy they have now since he helped them make the playoffs. And those players seem to love him. So, that, that'll be interesting. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I have a feeling... Now, here's a real question. Is there anybody else that's going to make a late firing? Because I think the Giants were like the one team we all thought should make a move. I don't know. But you never know. A lot of times like when, when teams don't perform well enough in the playoffs, you know what I mean? Like, what if Arizona loses in the first round? Do, do, do the Cardinals get rid of Cliff Kingsbury? You know, stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting because I, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see another team fire a coach. You really you think? think so, dude? It, it happens every year where there's this one team that like they made the playoffs, but they didn't get to where they thought they were. And I and I know I'm not casting any spurs on Cliff Kingsbury, but it's that type of thing where they were the number one team in the league all year. They fell off towards the end of the year, and then they didn't even make it out the first round of playoffs. 
that if I'm a Cardinals owner, I might say, you know what? I need somebody that's going to take us to the next level because this is the second year in a row where we started off hot and teetered off. And this year we started off so hot that we still at least made the playoffs and won the division. But that's even, but even then that's because San Francisco, I mean, that's because LA botched their last game of the season. So I'm, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is a guy I'm looking at off the top of my head of somebody that could get fired if, the, if he doesn't win a playoff game, but there might be others. Uh, the Panthers are also looking at Bill O'Brien and Jay Gruden for their next OC spot. And that's another issue I have with a, the Giants keeping Joe Judge, what what any kind of OC that's worth is anything would not go to the Giants as long as Joe Judge is the head coach because he just throws any offensive coaches under him under the bus. So why would why would any OC want to come to the Giants? So that was another thing that just made no sense yesterday. But I could definitely see the Panthers bringing in a Jay Gruden as an OC. I want to, and I, but I don't get that either because that's more football nepotism because some of these dudes why the hell are they in the league what has jay gruden done in the league that that he keeps getting all these positions like bill o'brien i can understand him getting another job like a coaching job jay gruden what you 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 got the first one because your last name and now you're gonna get this next one just because you you failed the first time some of these guys and not only that your last names it's not really the last name you want right now not at all so i don't the Panthers are weird. I, I, I don't. They got to get their offensive coordinator right because Joe Brady obviously did not work out. Um, I still think it was a little harsh to fire him when they did. Again, their quarterback play was not playing well. Sometimes you got to blame the players, man. I, I, I we're so quick to to fire coaches. Sometimes it's like, bro, don't players get paid to perform? So I don't understand why. You, you got rid of this guy who's supposed to be the next dude and you got rid of him in less than two years. Um, so I think that's weird. Uh, where, where, um, what we do for offensive coordinator. I, I don't, I don't know. They got to, they got to get that right. Cause our offense was atrocious. It's probably the second worst offense in the league after the giants. Our offense was atrocious. You, you called the fucking Steelers offense atrocious and they're like 15th. So yeah, okay. You have a, you have a really skewed view on what you think bad offense is. I've been watching bad offense. You want to talk about bad offense? Me and you went to a damn New York Guardians game and, and had to see Matt McGloin get benched, and that was better football offensively than the New York Giants the last three weeks. So I don't want to fucking hear you talk about atrocious offenses after what I've been living through this season. I think we're done. You tell them where they can find you. Because <laughs> I'm just you can find me at Never for Breakfast. That's N E B A underscore number four B R E T T underscore M E on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at www.thedope.blog. You can find me with this title at the top. Pork Roll Tide. The underscore dope blog on Instagram. The dope blog on one word on Twitter at not the Chuck D on all the socials. New Jersey champion of the world. YouTube, like, share, subscribe, and join us next time as we continue to discuss other people's excellence. And we will hopefully will no longer be talking about his stupid championship that nobody cared about but him. <laughs> Beat you for it. Hey, and tell, and tell your brother he, he got the, the shit championship. He came in dead last in the league. The crazy thing is his team was really good. He just stopped paying attention to it. Well, that's the story of all bad coaches now, isn't it?
Yeah, he pulled a Joe Judge. Yeah, no, no, right. he's yeah, he's Urban Meyer. He was out at the club. He wasn't even paying attention to the team. That's that's very true. So, peace, peace. Don't bother me. I'm working. Don't bother me. I'm working.